Thanks for checking out the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. To find out more about us, visit our website at iloveelevate.com. You can also stay up to date with what's going on by finding us on social media platforms like Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat. Please consider subscribing to the podcast and sharing it with your friends. We hope you enjoy this message and it brings you closer to Jesus. We're going to spend the next, I don't know, maybe eight weeks looking at the life of Jesus through the gospel of Luke. All the different gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they all present a picture of Jesus that works in harmony, all telling the same story of the same guy, but they do it through the perspectives of different men from different time periods and with different purposes. You see, if you were to read the book of Mark, you'd read about Jesus, and in Mark, everything's always happening quickly, and then Jesus immediately went to this place, and then after that, he immediately went to that place, and it's like Mark is really in a hurry to get to the story of his death on the cross, because that's where Mark slows down the story, and he focuses on Jesus as the one who is suffering on behalf of our sin. He wants to show the picture of Jesus as the suffering servant, the God who did not have to care that loved us so much that he was willing to be a sacrifice. That is Mark's goal. If you were to look at Matthew, Matthew is writing to a Jewish audience. And so he has to write differently than maybe Mark and Luke did. And so he is writing with a purpose to prove that Jesus is the king of, of Israel and the king of the universe. And so Matthew is going to include themes like, Jesus' genealogy, which shows that he descended from David. He's going to include scriptures from the Old Testament that prove that the king was going to come in this way, the messianic king that was promised by Moses and David. And then he's going to go beyond that and show how Jesus is the king of the universe by at his death at the cross, the sun was blacked out and the earth quaked and the rocks split because his kingdom is not limited to a geographical area. His kingdom is eternal. If you were to look at the book of John, John is so concerned with making sure that you and I know that Jesus walked as 100% man, but John wants to make sure that from the very first verses, you recognize that Jesus is God. No doubt, at the beginning of time and before that, Jesus was present, and everything that was made was made through Jesus, and John wants to drill that point home, and every theological uh, pericope that he talks about through the book of John is reinforcing over and over and over again who Jesus is. Jesus is Yahweh in flesh. But we're going to look at Jesus through the eyes of Luke. Luke was not one of Jesus's original 12 apostles. Some of you guys were like, what? I thought all four were. Luke was actually Paul's sidekick. And when Paul was around traveling and missionary and, and getting stoned and and preaching in synagogues and visiting temples of, of false gods and preaching about Jesus, Luke was there with him over and over and over again. When Paul was shipwrecked and all this stuff happened to Paul, Luke was there. He was Paul's sidekick. Luke was also a physician. He was incredibly educated. And at the very first few verses of, of the book of Luke, we read that Luke is writing to a guy named Theophilus to try to explain to Theophilus that all the things that he'd heard about Jesus were true. And Paul even hints at the idea that he researched and he probably interviewed Mary. You see, Luke is the only one that has a birth narrative that talks about what happened with Mary. Matthew talks about what happened with Joseph. Luke was probably the one that went to Mary and said, tell me how it went down. What were your thoughts? What were your feelings? 
Luke probably went around to a whole bunch of people that we read about and said, you were there. I wasn't. Tell me how it went down. Luke studied the other scripts. He probably read the book of Mark. Luke probably read the book of Matthew. And so he is compiling this story of Jesus. And Luke is going to go almost the other direction from John. And he's going to, instead of John saying that guy who walked in flesh, he was God. Luke is going to go, you know that God you've been worshiping? He walked in flesh. He was born just like anybody else. He bled like anybody else. He cared about people that everyone else overlooked. That's going to be Luke. He's going to show us how Jesus reached out to the people that weren't Jews. That's most of us in here. He's going to show how Jesus reached out to women who were just like second-class citizens in the old days. He's going to show how, how Jesus reached out to the people that were pushed aside, the poor, the forgotten. And over and over and over again, when Jesus was like dodging the Pharisees and the people that thought they were all that, he would immediately reject them and go to the one person that was feeling alone. That's the Jesus that we're going to read about for the next couple months. I'm so excited to, to begin to frame a picture of the God that we serve through the person of Jesus as presented by Luke. It's going to be beautiful. Another thing that I love about Luke in his presentation of Jesus, in, in the books of John and Matthew, there's this thing that uh, theologians call the messianic secret. It's that in the first kind of half of the books, Jesus is sort of keeping it on the down low who he is. You know, and the demons will be like, you're the son of God. And Jesus is like, shut up, you know. But Luke, Jesus is like, kind of just puts it out there and he's super confrontational about it. Like by the time we get in the fourth chapter of Luke, they're trying to throw Jesus off a cliff. Like Jesus like antagonized some of the people that thought they were special. He intentionally started arguments with people. Like Jesus was meeting people head on and like, you want to talk about God? Let me, let's draw some lines in the sand here about who God is. That's the Jesus that's in Luke. And he's the same guy that's going to look at the Pharisees and the people that look down on people. And he would go, you guys are a brood of vipers I, and God's going to judge you for it. And then he's going to turn over here and go, let the kids come to me. I love you kids. Like that's the Jesus that Luke paints. It's beautiful. It's human. It's a guy that saw Jesus from a light that was a little bit outside the picture. Matthew writes about a Jesus that he met and walked with because he was one of the disciples. Luke is looking kind of from the outside. So both have their strengths, but that's going to be Luke for us. As we jump in tonight, I got to start with a cool story that I heard. And I'm going to brag on someone here. I don't know if they want me to say their name or not, but I'm just not. And Jesus knows who they are. This amazing, super cool guy and his super cool wife. Yeah, you're in here. They were on the way to uh, visit another ministry that they're involved in. And when they got there, they didn't have their key to get in. Ah, okay. So they, they drove home. And on the way home, if your car sounds like that, you need to get a mechanic. <laughs> on their way home, they see a woman walking down the street in the other direction. And she is well-dressed, but you could tell just kind of from the condition of her clothes that she didn't have a lot of money. And, she, and, and the, the, the kind of color of her clothes was green. And at first glance, it looked like she had shoes to match the dress that she was in. But at second glance, they realized that she didn't. She had socks that were green that she was trying to pass as shoes. And she's walking down the street somewhere, sweating in our Louisiana heat with no shoes on. 
And immediately they pulled over and his wife takes the shoes off her own feet and gives them to her and they fit perfectly. And you know what? Another kind of crazy thing is they happen to have a couple bottles of water in the car that they've refrigerated and supposedly they don't even refrigerate water. And they gave this cold water to this lady who's beads of sweat on her face. And so they, they, they leave her and they're like, we got to do more. So they get home because don't forget, they had to get the key and they rush into the house and they're like, oh yeah, we got to grab the key while we're here. Where's the key? And he realizes that it had been in his pocket the whole time that he'd been looking for before they turned around and came back. Y'all, God loves to do stuff that blows our minds to show glory to his name. You guys were just singing, show us your glory. God loves to ask you to get out of your comfort zone into something that is impossible for you so that you can't do it unless he shows up. God's going to do that. He's going to go, come here. I need you to stand here. And if I don't show up, you're going to fail. And you're going to go. And then you watch God do impossible things and blow your mind. I, I, I say it semi-regularly, that the only boundaries of what God can do through us are the ones that we set when we play it safe. And tonight we're going to we're going to look at some verses. It's going to be quick because we're going to do something a little bit different tonight than we've done the last few weeks. But at the end of these verses, I hope that you look at this passage and go, God's glory was seen in unexpected ways. Y'all ready for this? Turn your Bibles, if you have them, or your phones, or it'll be on the screen behind me, to John chapter 12, verse 27. I know, we're in John. It's okay. We're going to start with kind of the theme that I was picking up on by starting at the end of the story where Jesus is about to go to the cross. Go ahead, throw that up for me, Kyle. John chapter 12. If you don't have your phone or your Bible or whatever, you can just look up here. This is Jesus, and he's, he's praying. And we're at the end of the story here, but I want to point something out. Verse 27. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? This is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He is hours from the cross. He is minutes away from his own best friends abandoning him to death. One of his best friends betraying him into the hands of those who want to kill him. And it doesn't say it in John, but Luke, who was a doctor, would pick up on this. Luke actually points out that in this moment, Jesus' sweat and his emotions and his stress level was so high that blood started mixing in with his sweat. He started sweating drops of blood. And so in this moment, when he is praying this, this is not like him sitting in Starbucks. Like, this is Jesus, and he is broken, and he is absolutely feeling what is coming. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. You see, it's hard for us to understand how suffering can glorify God. Like, like if God wanted to be glorified, wouldn't he take some of his kids, like, like us, and give them lots of money and give them the coolest cars and the best things and stuff like that and, like, and, and glorify his name. But Jesus 
sees the suffering that he's about to go through as glorifying God. When was the last time that you were in a horrible situation and you thought to yourself, this is glorifying God? But Jesus saw it that way. He saw tragedy as an opportunity for God's name to be exalted. That's wild. For this hour I came into the world, that your name can be glorified. All right, turn our Bibles to Luke. I'm going to skim through and kind of tell the story. After I'm done with kind of my part up here, we're going to do girls in here, guys out there. Is that right? Is it backwards? Someone who knows something more than me, tell me differently. No? Okay. Girls in here, guys out there. And we're going to break into grades um, and girls in here, guys out there. Uh, we have e-group leaders that are more than equipped, and we're going to go through Scripture together out there and in here. You're going to break it down and study the meat that's there, and you're going to be able to do conversations and discussions that we can never have here while I'm being a, a sage on a stage kind of guy. But you guys can go out there and have a Bible study that's so rich. And I'm just going to kind of skim through what you're going to be reading, try to make one very cool point that's all about glorifying God's name, and then we're going to release you guys. And then what you get out of tonight will be in your hands. How much do you want it? How how willing are you to dig into the scripture and constantly ask the question, what does this teach me about God? What does this teach me about me? Are there any nuggets in here that I can uncover? Yes, there are. It'll be up to you. So Luke chapter 1, because Luke is so concerned with the life and the humanity of our God in flesh, he actually goes back to the birth and even before the birth. He starts earlier than John. He starts earlier than Matthew. He starts earlier than Mark. And he starts with a relative of Jesus before he was born. And he starts with this guy named Zacharias. Zacharias was a priest. And if you're in the order of the priests, you don't actually often get to do your priestly duties. That was totally a Nacho Libre reference. I'm sorry. <laughs> so... Because there were so many priests at the time, there was actually 24 different divisions of priests, and there was only a limited number of jobs to do at the temple. And so his turn came, and there was so many jobs that there was a chance that you could be in one of those 24 orders and never actually do anything. And so the fact that it's his turn is like, yes, I get to go serve the Lord. And then he gets there, and they, they cast lots, which is like, kind of like casting dice, and it was his job to burn incense before God in the holy place. And the holy place was some place that very few people saw. There's only one more place that's considered even more holy than that, and only one man saw that one time a year. And so he's in the holy place, and most of the congregation has to wait outside, and they're all out praying. And he goes in, and he burns incense. And the whole idea is that the way the incense smoke rises is a reflection of the way their prayers outside are rising to the Lord. Just cool symbology. While he's in there, and he's burning incense, like, Boom, like this giant angel stands in front of him. I'm totally jumping ahead. Backstory, Zacharias, his wife couldn't have kids. She was barren. Furthermore, she and Zacharias were old. And because she couldn't have kids, she was considered rejected by God. She was considered lowly, even a lower class kind of citizen. Because in their minds, in the Jewish culture, 
if you couldn't have kids, then your name couldn't carry on. If your name couldn't carry on, then what's your point? It's all about your legacy and your kids. And so again, Luke cares about this twisted backward situation. Luke cares to elevate and go, Elizabeth, you're special and you're heard by God. And so his wife couldn't have kids. And so he travels from his hometown to do this burning the incense thing because he's a priest. Okay, caught up. Boom, angel. And the angel stands before him and says, Zacharias, your prayers have been heard. Guess what? You are going to have a son. Your wife's going to be pregnant. And Zacharias asks this crazy question. He goes, how can I believe you? And the angel like lays a smack down. By the way, I'm Gabriel. I stand before the feet of God, and I'm bringing this message directly from his lips. And since you didn't believe my words, you're going to be mute until the baby is born. And so he comes out, and he's like, you feel like I don't even know how to make a good impression of that. And they're like, man, what happened in there? You were in there forever. And he like, I don't know, write stuff down and try to tell them what happened. So he goes home because his job is over and he goes home and lo and behold, his wife gets pregnant. Fast forward six months. The story changes. We're watching this family and it changes to Mary right in the middle of the story. And we have an angel meet her. Now, I want to read a couple of verses from what the angel said to Zacharias before we move on because it's way too cool for school. All right, Luke chapter 1. And the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. John means Yahweh is gracious. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. All right. Did you hear a prediction in there? What's going to happen at his birth? Great laud and rejoicing, right? People are going to be like, wow, this is crazy. Let's skip down a few verses. Verse 17. Here is John's job. This is why John is coming to earth. This is why he's being birthed right here. Here's his life's goal. He will also go before him, and he's referring to Yahweh, God. He will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So he's going to do three things. He's going to go before God, as in he will be ahead of him. He's going to turn the hearts of people back to God. And he's going to prepare the way for him, Yahweh, to come. Three roles. I don't even know if Zacharias could understand what that meant. That his son was going to go before God. He could no concept in his mind that God was going to walk on earth and his son would be preparing the way saying, God's coming soon. And that would mean Jesus. Zacharias could never wrap his mind around that. All right. At his birth, there's going to be great rejoicing. It's a prediction, right? Okay. So God talks to Mary through Gabriel. Mary, you're blessed among women. You're going to have a baby. And she goes, see, Zacharias is like, I'm old. And Mary's like, I'm a virgin. I don't have a husband. I've never been with a man. How am I going to get pregnant? And Gabriel's like, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you. 
And the child in your womb is going to be the most high God. And you're going to give him the name Jesus. Yahweh saves. Now, did anybody get chills right there? The name of Jesus means Yahweh saves. We're going to go into detail on that another night, but I just don't have time tonight. I want to get you into e-groups. So let's fast forward. The angel leaves, and Mary goes and visits Elizabeth because they're related. And when she gets there, the Bible says that the baby and Elizabeth jumped in her stomach. John the Baptist is like, whoa, Jesus is in the other tummy. Now, I want to want to fast forward just a little bit because I don't want you to miss this. The day is going to come when John's going to be born, and that's where we're going to pick up here. Oh, man, it's so good. Mind if I just read it? Y'all cool with that? It's just too good to skip. Verse 57, now Elizabeth's full time came for her to be delivered, and she brought forth a son. When her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord has shown great mercy, they rejoiced with her. Interesting. Is this the rejoice that the angel predicted? Let's wait and find out. So it was on the eighth day that it came time to circumcise a child, and they would have called him by the name of his father, Zacharias. Y'all seeing this? Let's name him. Your name is Zacharias. What would the angel say to name him? Okay. His mother answered and said, No, he shall be called John. But they said to her, There is no one in your relatives who is called by that name. So they made signs to the father. What would you have him be called? And he asked for a writing tablet, and he wrote, saying, His name is John. And they all marveled. Immediately his mouth was opened, and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, praising God. So his first words after nine months are, Yes, God is awesome. His first words are praising God. Don't miss this. Then fear came on all who dwelt around them, and all these sayings were discussed throughout the hill country of Judea, and all those who heard them kept them in their hearts, saying, What kind of child will this be? And the hand of the Lord was with them. Okay, now, miracle number one, Elizabeth gets pregnant. But why was it that the sayings of her birth went throughout the hillside? What spread the story? What got the people so crazed out of their minds that they're like, this is wild, and went and told people? Didn't have kids? It was Zacharias' mouth. He started talking again. They all went, whoa, that's scary, crazy, whoa. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, Dom. I thought Zacharias being mute was his punishment. The angel said, look, because you didn't believe me, you're going to be mute. Maybe it was. But here's where God gets glory that God spreads the word about who John the Baptist is to make the way for his son through Zacharias's mistake. Someone just sat up straight. Please tell me you're following me. That God can use anything in our lives if we'll just keep our compass pointed at him. He will take our mistakes. He'll take the times we get off course. He'll take all that stuff. Nothing is wasted because he's going to bring glory to his name. And if we will just keep our compass on him, he will get the glory. That's the God we serve. Y'all, I've blown it big time in my life. I'm going to go out on a limb and say, you guys, some of you have felt that way too. Maybe, maybe you're like me. I wake up in the middle of the night and I think of that time in third grade that I did something and I'm like, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. Maybe it's bigger than that. Maybe you have this thing that gnaws on you constantly and says, you will never be whole. Maybe you have this thing in your life that says you will never be able to get your life straight again. Maybe you have real voices of real people telling you this stuff. But I'm telling you that God cares so much about bringing glory to his name that if you'll just give your life to him and keep your life pointed in his direction, 
being obedient as best you can, he will take everything in your life and he'll use it for his glory. And you're good. Because Romans 8, 28 says, God works everything together for the good of those who love him. Not for everybody, for those who love him, for those who serve him. He works all things together for his glory and our good. Nothing's wasted. I love that Zacharias blew it, but chose to be obedient with something as simple as a name, and then God used it. God wants to do that in your life too. He wants to take all your mistakes. First of all, he wants to forgive them. So you got to come to him and go, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. And he's going to go, Poof. and then he's going to take all the consequences and stuff that comes up from that, and he's going to re-domino effect that into a way of bringing it around for your, for your and his. Okay. See, you guys were a little unsure. So you're forcing me to have to do this again. All right. So God wants to do everything for our and for his, for our and his, and if someone can get a hold of that tonight, it will change your whole life because it will give you freedom. And where the spirit of the Lord is, freedom is there. All right, I'm going to dismiss you guys. I'm going to pray and dismiss y'all. Guys out there, girls in here, the e-group leaders, stand up real quick for me. E-group leaders everywhere. Yeah, give them a hand. Now, what's going to happen is the guys are going to fall out there, and the, the guy e-group leaders are going to go out there, and they're just going to start calling by grade and separate them on grade. And then as we get close to 825-ish, we're going to come back in here, and we're going to do one last big worship song and blow it out. You all ready? All right. <laughs> Heavenly Father, I pray that tonight we dig in deep, we see your face, we see your glory, and that it all comes back how amazing you are and I pray that you'll give us freedom through your scriptures let us uncover pearls Lord from your word in Jesus name amen